From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired, this is A Sense of Texas. Here's your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman. This summer, our own Daniel Wheeler interviewed a handful of teachers about experiences with remote instruction. The following are sound bites from Carlotta Binns and Laurel Taylor, who provided remote summer programs for transition age students. Overseen by Principal Sarah Merritt, these courses are done in collaboration with TWC, the Texas Workforce Commission, a state agency which supports voc rehab through adult services. We cleverly call them Summer Work Experience in Austin, Texas, aka SWEAT, and Working and Living in the Community, aka Wallach. During the summer of 2020, the partnership remained, but as you already know, the platform changed. My name is Carlotta Benz, and I'm the Career Ed Coordinator for TSBVI. Um, basically, what that means is I'm responsible for assisting with developing programming on campus and off campus and working collaboratively with different agencies and business partners. One of the agencies that we collaborate a lot with is a TWC, and they're the ones who fund the programming uh, that we have over the summer, SWEAT and Wallach. SWEAT stands for the uh, Summer Work Experience in Austin, Texas. And Wallach stands for the working and living in the community. Both are focused on on-the-job training in the community. And I am Laurel Taylor. Um, during the school year, I work on the exit team. Um, and this summer, I worked as the teacher of the Wallach program. I worked with Wallach is usually high school to transition age students who are working and living in the community, like Carlotta said. We really focus on job skills and when it's possible in the community. And then also money management, the students get paid in the summer. So we're working a lot on having them budget their money and then use that in the summer to make purchases with the dorm staff and then like a Friday community outing that we would do. And we work on teamwork skills um, and then also a lot of independent living skills on the dorm. This is my second year teaching. Um, and then the year before that I was a job coach. Sweat and Wallach are both intense, rigorous programs um, that are held on campus. So Sweat would probably be our most rigorous program. Um, students are on campus learning O&M skills. They have a week of kind of training and job readiness skills. And then they are each placed individually at 16 or 17 different local businesses here in Austin. We're responsible for training them how to get to those job sites using public transportation. They have interviews with their future um, volunteer employer. Um, TWC uh, pays the students minimum wage while they're working those hours. They typically work about 24 to 26 hours a week. So most of their instruction is off campus and they get intermittent uh, job coach support. So they don't even have staff with them all the time. So it's a lot of problem solving, a lot of critical thinking. And, you know, that got boiled down to in a remote or virtual classroom of two hours a day for three weeks with supplementary activities. Of course, not all of those things could be rep replicated. Um, the O&M component was something that we weren't able to, to replicate, but there were a lot of things that were, we were surprised that we could do. As far as Wallach is concerned, we have students age 16 to 22. Same kind of format, we want them working in the community with other um, uh, adult peers. 
but instead of being individually placed at businesses, they are placed in groups, in small groups, ranging from two students to five students, depending on the, the size of the employer. And they also have continuous job coach support. And instead of having just that one week of instruction and then they're off, uh, they get staggered lessons throughout every week to kind of reinforce some of those life skills that Laurel was talking about. That class, again, had to get boiled down to about one hour a day of live instruction with multiple supporting lessons and hands-on activities that they could continue after their live instruction was completed. With Wallach, there's a pretty well-established curriculum that we follow every summer that kind of breaks the program. Usually there's like a theme of the week and then there's different lessons that go along with that theme. And so when we were planning this summer, because so much of the lessons and activities we have during the Wallach program typically is so hands-on, we kind of had to really rethink, okay, we're not only limited in time, but we, we aren't in there in person. So how are we going to change this instruction to where it can still be hands-on as much as possible at home, but we're not directly working with any of the students in a live in-person environment? So with the SWEAT program, we had to have a work component. That was the main component when students came for us is to get that first job. Unfortunately, because of the situation, we had to really think outside the box when it came to what were we going to have students be productively engaged in. So we had one student who chose to compile care backpacks for homeless individuals. That was the idea they came up with. Christy went and bought all the supplies, shipped the supplies for them to make a certain amount of backpacks, and that was their ongoing activity. Other students did things like create cards for individuals who were in um, nursing homes or group homes because they didn't have a lot of, because of COVID, were not allowed to go visit, so they were writing comforting cards for them. Another student decided that they really wanted to get involved with um, individuals who are, who are in the foster care system. So she designed uh, activity packets for students and she donated them to her local CASA organization um, so that they could pass them out to students while they were waiting to go to trial or with their court appointed representatives. So uh, the students really thought outside the box and, and really thought about how they could individually impact their community even while being under the circumstances of being at home. So that's one way we kind of uh, reevaluated the work com component. I needed to broaden my focus from focusing on communicating with the student to focusing with communicating with the family. That key to family engagement was going to really determine how successful our program was going to be, especially for our students that need support in our Wallach program. So I started reaching out to parents about a month before the program started. And in those conversations, I introduced myself. I got them hooked up with the Remind app. So I had a, like a, all the parents in one class so that if we're blasting out messages, every parent could get it. Um, we also put together little bios from each of the staff members that were going to be working with the student so that if a parent is walking by the classroom, they know, oh, that's the TA they're talking to or, oh, um, and the bios included a picture of each person. Um, and we sent those home uh, through mail. 
as well as emailed them a copy. So I tried to utilize as many forms of communication as possible. So I didn't just rely on one thing, sending them a text message. The information had to go through several formats to ensure that they were going to get it. Um, another thing I did is I surveyed the parents on how their student was doing in distance learning currently. What were their struggles? What did they envision could be better? One of the th uh, things I got a lot of feedback from was the amount of time that kids were on their, their devices. It was just, they, they uh, really talked about Zoom fatigue. And so that really went into our planning about our lessons to make sure that we were limiting, especially for our students who needs, needed more support, one hour a day was really their limit, but it was a valuable hour. And Laurel can talk about that because they were engaged and they weren't tired. And then for our students in sweat who have more of an academic track and they're, they're focusing and getting ready for college or on the job training, we decided that those two hours would be appropriate and they were able to do so. So getting there, all the family input before we even started planning was I think really critical. And to add to what Carlotta was saying, we planned a week before Wallach started, but we even planned for Sweat and Wallach before when the school year was going on. Um, we were meeting actively to just kind of discuss what was currently working for us and the feedback Carlotta was getting from the families. And so once we established kind of a, a schedule of how much time we knew we were going to be working with the students daily and then establishing what topics we were going to cover, I was building a schedule. And so I was able to pick what lesson topics we were going to cover and um, kind of develop a flow of how the weeks would work. And then after that, I started planning, okay, what at-home instructional activities can line up with these lessons? And the way we kind of formatted it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, students would have a hands-on instructional activity that they would work on that afternoon that lined up to whatever the lesson was that day. And so they weren't required to have a homework activity every single day. They got a break on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but they were still having a hands-on component, which I felt like was really important during my school year, I wasn't even aware of how I could have hands-on activities with students yet because everything just happened. It felt like so quickly. And so we used that first week of planning to put together um, instructional material packets that we mailed home. We also came up with, since we can't have a paid employment piece, what volunteer activity we can do. And so I actually spoke with Rebecca Royer, who works in the animal care um, area of our school about what activities could students maybe work on at home for a, the Austin Humane Society. And she connected me with some individuals there and we were able to establish two types of um, dog and cat toys that students could make at home as kind of a work piece on top of their other homework assignments. And it was a work at your own pace. You have these materials, make as many as you want, or maybe you just try one. And so that was a, another way that we were able to incorporate some sort of work opportunity and giving back to the community. And some students decided to mail the items back to us and I will take them to the Austin Humane Society or some students wanna take them to their local Humane Society. And so some students have taken them there and dropped them off in their local communities. So that was a really cool piece. It was a lot of work and it took a lot of time, but I think it added a very, fun, engaging piece that I think is important when we're doing distance learning. I think it's definitely worth all the time that was spent putting everything together. You have to figure out what is your goal? What do you want your students to be engaged in? Okay, this is what we usually do. 
How are we going to do this in a virtual environment? And, and then also connecting it with authentic experiences, right? So not just having an activity just to have an activity. We, we want it to be meaningful. And if it's not meaningful in a virtual environment, then we don't do it, right? We've just got to, hey, that's an activity we got to do in person. Um, we can talk about it. We can explain it. But we're, we're going to have to kind of cut some things out. Also, Laurel and I had to work on a cost list. We had to link it to all the actual vendors. We had to get that list to the TAs that were working in sh short-term programs and the admin staff. They did all the purchasing. Then we had to coordinate with them to get it to the right place for her to be able to uh, put the packs together. I will say Laurel had a huge class. She had 12 students in, in her class. So that was 12 packs of things. And then also finding it at a, at a reasonable price. Okay, what can we get in packs of items that could be evenly distributed? Both programs did a great job of connecting the activities to the community. So not only did Laurel have those activities in the boxes, but she had an interview with someone at the Humane Society for the students to talk to. And then they were also able to bring in an animal and show the students the dogs and show the students the cats so the students can't actually make that connection to that real life job. I think that's something that, you know, maybe we could utilize more next school year is interviews so that the kids can make those connections to what they're doing. We did have to be very thoughtful and coming up with what we were going to send home and why justifying before and why are we doing this? Like, what is this for? Probably about half of the students' parents were involved sitting off to the side, listening to the lesson, sometimes even engaging in the lesson. Sometimes I'd ask a question and parents would call it an answer. And so if the, the participation varied, but I think it was really cool to kind of see almost live feedback from parents. Like sometimes they would chuckle about something and, and they seemed to be really engaged, which was awesome. The parents that did participate. So I think it really was just on a case-by-case, student-by-student kind of basis. And I know everybody's family is different. Some parents are still working from home, but some parents are not working from home anymore. And so it just really depended on the student and their family. One of our first questions when I was calling families is like, what type of device is your student using? Is it your device or is it the school's device? You know, we had to call districts and say, can they keep it over the summer? Because during summer programs, we don't send, we didn't send any tech out. So whatever they had was what they were going to be able to use. Um, so that took a huge piece of communicating with the families and the TBIs. All of the students had already used Zoom before because they were in that distance learning environment during the school year. Um, some of them were more proficient than others. Um, we did run into some technical issues about students who had school emails that couldn't access like the device. We couldn't get around the school email to give them our email so that they could have an account with Zoom. There was all sorts of stuff with that. We had a spreadsheet about what devices were accessible to them. That spreadsheet was shared to the TAs who became the moderators. They also had access to parent phone numbers multiple parent phone numbers, parent emails. So if there was any tech issues, the TA could just pull up those spreadsheets and say, okay, well, your iPad's not working. Do you have your cell phone? Because I had, there was a cell phone on there. 
or, um, oh, you're, I, I, I need to text mom who's at work and let her know that um, this student is having issues. So we spent a lot of time um, utilizing the staff that we had to be able to communicate those tech issues. And then also the, the IR live support was extremely helpful. We shared that link with the parents that they could um, talk to IR on their own if they needed to. And then oftentimes we had office hours that students could jump into the Zoom room and get live tech support if they needed related to a ticket that we had submitted earlier. And we also had the TAs assisting in those kind of activities to submitting those tickets so that it wouldn't interrupt instruction. Part of SWEAT was that we have to have students create an ability statement, resume, all those kinds of things. Um, because we had people, our students, on a variety of different devices, using a variety of different word processing applications, getting them to format things <laughs> was hard. So we could get the information on there, but you know, talking about spacing and all that kind of stuff, um, stuff that we would help them with if they were on campus, that was something that was brought up of an issue. In Sweat and Wallach, they both had to create some sort of resume. In Wallach, I didn't put the expectation for students to format it and get the information themselves. They put the information in a document and then we sent it to TAs to format it. But I didn't do that in Sweat because I'm like, okay, these kids are pretty tech savvy. It's not going to be a problem, but it was. If I had to go back, I would probably do the same format, create a Google form for them to put all their information in, get that form, um, that information formatted by somebody behind the scenes, and then sending it back to the student so that they could, because at the end of the day, the goal is to have a completed resume. The goal isn't formatting a document. So I would have uh, rethought that. Mm -hmm. If our philosophy is that this is the lesson I have planned, mm -hmm. this is the lesson I'm going to give, and... That's it. You know, I think that's not going to work in a virtual environment. You know, um, I think that we and, and this is something Laurel and I have firsthand experience on. We had a lesson for our deafblind student that Laurel had all the lessons written out beforehand. We had a plan and we found out very quickly that plan was just not going to work. She wasn't getting it. She wasn't engaged. She was distracted. Um, she wasn't participating when we were asking questions. And it literally took us meeting almost every couple of days to look at what we had and then figuring out what the student needs and just completely rewriting the lesson plan, <laughs> completely restructuring what um, activities she was going to do. Her activities couldn't align with the rest of the students. Right. So I think um, being static and being kind of, you know, stuck in some things, that that's going to be the, your biggest obstacle to making a virtual lesson work. My biggest takeaway, even from the previous semester, was just collaboration as much as possible. I think TSBBI has so many phenomenal professionals and so many people that are not only talented in their professional career, but also have many other talents um, in their, on a personal level that we don't all share. And so I think kind of honing into what people are good at and even just using people as a sounding board for ideas is going to be 
very helpful for everyone. I think we're great during the school year at collaborating and working as a team, but getting help and working with others is going to be what's going to get us through this next season of virtual slash whatever learning we're doing. This is going to be a bit disruptive. We have to be okay with that, you know, and if what we had planned is not going to work, we have to be able to say, okay, today we're just going to practice getting in the Zoom room and leaving. We have IEPs, we have things definitely that are critical for us to be able to uh, get accomplished. But at the same time, we have to re remember the environment we're in right now and just having that, you know, okay, if we don't do it today, remember there's always tomorrow. Keep looking forward. Do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem? They may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. appreciate the emphasis on family involvement. This is definitely a positive outcome of remote learning and even a silver lining. Thanks again to Daniel for facilitating the conversation and to Carlotta and Laurel for planning forward. Lessons learned during the pandemic will be applicable for years to come. From the TSBVI Outreach Department and A Sense of Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you next time. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.